Today's a great day. I want to say hello to many of the guests that perhaps came to hear a, a grandchild or a relative or a friend, that, little kids that were on the platform today. Jesus said, suffer the little children, come unto me. And unless you become like a child, you can't even see the kingdom. And we preached that last week in Capture the Wonder Part 1. And those kids have a way of reigniting stuff inside of us that maybe has gone dormant for a long, long time. And I just get inspired by that. And thank you for coming and being a part of our services today. I know that Jesus is the reason for the season. Can I get an amen to that? Well, today we're into part two of Capture the Wonder. And when I think about all of the opportunities of Christmas in this season, many times I miss the moments in a daily way. And I want to just talk today about how we need to capture the wonder in unique ways. Now, to set it up, I want to talk about some of the great wonders of the world. The ancient wonders of the world, some of you are historians or remember from classes when you were younger, there were ancient wonders that leave us speechless before humanity's ability to imagine great things about what they could build. Things like the Great Pyramid of, of Giza in Egypt and Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the ancient Hanging Gardens of Babylon or the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, or the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus. It was amazing and huge. And the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus and the Colossus of Rhodes and the Lighthouse of Alexandria. Those were all ancient wonders that were man-made. They were humanity-driven. And we can stand back and go, wow, what an amazing thing. There are other ones that have kind of been added to the list over time, like the Taj Mahal. Anyone ever see the Taj Mahal before? The Machu Picchu or the Great Wall of China. Anybody here ever been to see the Great Wall of China? Um, maybe our new president will be building one like that. I don't know. Um, or Petra. Or Petra. Um, was an ancient one that uh, made famous, actually, in, in Indianapolis. Indiana Jones, Indianapolis, Indiana Jones. And there's amazing stories of things that people have made. But then there are also natural wonders, wonders that are God-made, wonders of the world that kind of create wonder in us when we look at them. Things like the Grand Canyon. You stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and you see the vast expanse. You can't help but think there is a God. Or the Great Barrier Reef and the amazing amount of water and the, the experience that you would feel if you were standing there, or the harbor of Rio de Janeiro and the expanse of how that feels, or Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world and how amazing that is. And you stand at the edge of it and I talked last week about how little children will come up to me and they'll look at my, my feet, then my knees and, my, and they'll just stand in awe. Can you imagine standing and looking at Mount Everest? and the expanse and the awe that you would have just looking at it, or the Aurora Borealis or the Paracutan Volcano, the Victoria Falls. I could go on and on in Minnesota. We could just talk about the amazing sky and the lakes that we have in the summertime or in the wintertime we try to drive on them if it gets cold enough and get fish out of them. We can stand back and be in awe of the wonders around us. Did you know that we are incurable, insatiable seekers of wonder. 
It's something built into us. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11 says this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. This is an amazing scripture. In fact, I encourage you to read it this week as you think about the wonder that God wants to create inside of you to stand back. God has made everything beautiful. Some translations say wonderful for its own time. We have wonder within us, but that wonder and beauty of created things is linked to God having perfect and having placed eternity in the human heart. You cannot separate God and eternity and what he's already planted in in you and the wonder that he wants to bring to you on a daily basis. Turn to somebody next to you and say, God's got something up his sleeve for you. (laughs) He does. Now, because we're incurable wonder seekers, we must satisfy that deep longing. There's something in us that pursues us. We might call it a desire for purpose or a life of purpose or a life of meaning or satisfaction or fulfillment. And that could be everything from physically to vocationally. All of our goals and our plans and our purposes and our aims and our efforts are bent towards fulfilling God-given thirst for capturing the wonder. You were born, in a sense, to chase wonder, to capture it. There's something in you that God created that would bring that out of you to go after it. You want purpose. And we can make the mistake of lesser things taking the place for our ultimate good. We can mistake those things. We can mistake lesser things for what God really has for us. We can take shortcuts. We're lazy, right? Just because we're built by God for true wonder doesn't mean capturing that wonder is easy or it's caught automatically. It comes at a great cost. We have to navigate a sea of imitations to God's wonder, fake alternatives to true wonder. And we do what Adam and Eve did when they were in the garden and we see the fruit for its practical advantages. You remember that when Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, they're looking at the fruit. And it says in there, they saw that it was good for food. It was good for gaining wisdom. And they looked to satisfy their hunger or their wonder by eating the fruit. They actually took a step towards fulfilling it, only they shouldn't have. See, the mistake is seeking true wonder in things that cannot deliver. They don't satisfy, and instead they offer temporary relief at best. We chase some things, but sometimes it's like grabbing a puff of smoke. There's nothing there. I have some gifts on the platform today, and uh, these are massive gifts, and there's nobody inside, just in case you're wondering. (laughs) But when we chase presents, or we chase things, or we want something To fulfill the wonder, we can often chase it for the wrong reasons. This one here, for example, is the gift that we chase of relationships. Now, relationships are not bad, but we can begin to chase relationships for the wrong reason. We want other people to fulfill our needs. 
And when you chase a pathway where all the relationships in your life are there for you so that you feel secure and you're okay, you can come to a place in which you replace the true wonder with a false one, or you are at the mercy of other people and whether or not they fulfill your need. So if they wanna leave you, if they wanna divorce you, if they wanna uh, turn their back on you, if they wanna talk or manipulate you, they can do it. And then it leaves you feeling empty. You are chasing wonder, but those people cannot fill it. This time of year, it's amazing to me how people are chasing something. They're chasing something in their story, in their history. They're chasing perhaps a feeling. Some people want to avoid the feeling. They want to get as far away from that feeling as they can because they have memories of relationships gone wrong. Memories of how those relationships hurt them. And then they no longer seek any wonder and they shut out relationships altogether because it disappointed them. Then there's the pursuit of wonder of accomplishments. When it comes to accomplishments and wonder chasing, if you will, it's amazing how many of us want to pursue the degree or the career, and we do good at it. In fact, we're driven to success. We want those accomplishments. On a young age, that could be anything from sports achievements to uh, amassing wealth or getting a job or getting a girl or getting the guy. But as we go, grow older, those accomplishments change and we pursue something out there and we're wanting to fulfill us. But in the end, those accomplishments don't make us. Then there's the, the gift that we're chasing of approval. This one is kind of sinister because somewhere in our story, in our history, we thought that we had to do something to receive approval. Perhaps you grow up in a home where you had to do the right things and then you were accepted and loved. But if you didn't do the right things that somehow you were not accepted in love and your pursuit could become approval. And then there's the, the gift that we chase and the wonder that we can chase of toys. <laughs> and it's funny how we just, toys, we remember when we were young. I remember when I wanted it in television, which was pre-Itari days and, and uh, or PlayStation days. I, I wanted other things. And as soon as I got them, six months later, I forgot about those gifts. Anybody remember some of your gifts? But as we grow older, sometimes the toys we chase are temporary moments where we feel okay. It could be chasing experiences. It could be going around the world and travel. And travel in itself is not bad. The experiences aren't bad. But if all you're doing them for is to fulfill a need for security, you might be chasing a wonder that ends up hurting you later on. Why is it that after you have these things, you still feel empty? Well, when we look at the scripture and we look at what God offers, without God, we try to gain wonder from created things and things always disappoint. Romans chapter one, Paul is speaking. He says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worship and serve the things that God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise, amen. 
They traded it out and they missed it. Now church, I want you to hear me today. This is not an anti-materialism message. I'm not attempting to even say that you shouldn't have friendships. It's actually the way God wired us. We need relationships. But when we chase those things to make us fulfilled without God, they end up hurting us. Without God, we are lost. And we misuse the gifts that he gives us. We never stop seeking our truest rest and wonder and peace in something. But every time we seek it in things other than God, we become more defined by those things. Think about that. With Adam and Eve, the tendency for them was to doubt the goodness of God, that his commands and his instructions were right and good for them. And they went outside of God's commands. And they assumed that I know better and I'm in a better place to know what's best for me than God does. Or Esau, the great story of Esau, Jacob and Esau, and he trades away his birthright for a bowl of soup in Genesis chapter 25. And they're trying, he's trying to get something temporarily to fill a need. Now how many of you can honestly look back in your story and you can remember moments when you made the wrong choice? And you can just, you chased the wrong thing, you went down the wrong path and you look back and maybe you have regret, maybe you feel bad about it. Maybe you're in the middle of a story like that right now where you're chasing other things. I want you to know that God is not apart from you. He's not angry with you, he still loves you. And even though our culture, our culture creates its own buffet of what is right and what is wrong, even in the church, we can begin to say, you know, Lord, I love going to church. I'll be happy to serve you. I'll give in the offering, but don't ask me to give up something that I want to do that's not right according to your word. And it's amazing to me how we can begin to make these trades halfway truths, where we chase God kind of. It's like going up to a buffet and saying, I want that food, that piece of food, that piece of food, but I don't want the other stuff. Don't give me the vegetables. And we can begin to make those trades in our everyday life and miss the wonder that he's created us to have. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Isn't that true? Even when we think it's right, it can end in death. And a loss of wonder is birthed in a distorted perspective of the real meaning of things. Things don't give us identity or purpose When they do, if our purpose is coming only from the relationship, if our purpose is only coming from our accomplishments, if our purpose only comes from approval or from toys, then we misuse the very people in our life and the things that we have for the wrong reasons. They are not sources of wonder, but reflections of the wonder that we possess in Christ. Things are not. And if we chase those things, we get caught up in it. But here's the good news. God is our wonder and we are his wonder. I love this. See, we can't save ourselves. There's nothing we can do. No matter how much we accumulate, no matter how many accomplishments that we have, no matter how many relationships that we get or the toys that we have, we cannot save ourselves. We can't accumulate stuff that saves us. Some people say, well, what is it? 
take to be right with God or how do you go to heaven? Most people will say live a good life or do good things. But Romans chapter four says this, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. How many of you are one of those sinners he forgave? And it wasn't something you did. It wasn't something you got good enough. You can never get good enough to receive what he gives. In fact, there is only one way to get that true security on the inside. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I love this. The one benefit of having a voice going, I can say things in a deeper voice than I ordinarily do. Friends, it's not God's, it is God's grace, but it's not our effort. It's not our effort, it's God's grace. Ephesians chapter two, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there. Ephesians chapter two, or turn there or turn it on in your Bible. But there's a passage of scripture that I want you to catch. This is really my main scripture for the day. It says in Ephesians chapter two, verse four, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love this because it's rooted in the reality that God looks at us and we are his wonder. He looks at us and he loves us. It's crazy, stupid, not smart love. We're not nice to him. Each of us has done our own thing. But when we remember that God loved us so much that he sent his son, it should awaken in us a wonder, oh God, you love me. Why is it that you love me? He loves us and he's called us his masterpiece. A masterpiece is not a completed work. Those of the great artists, those that did some of the great cathedrals and Rome or around the world, when they would do their art, it took many years to shape and mold something. And the reality is we're not done, but he still calls us his masterpiece. He's still working on you. How many want God to continue to work on you? 
You want him to continue to shape and to mold. Don't miss that you, if you're going to be created, if you're going to grow, if you're going to transform, it's going to start with the reality that you humble yourself before the God of the universe who looks at you and he loves you and you receive his love and it awakens in you an ability to love and to serve him. Friends, we cannot find our contentment and our identity in things. Our identity and our contentment comes from him alone. And if we don't, Remember that. I'm conscious that under the sound of my voice, there are people in here who have served the Lord for less than a year. But I also know there are people that have served the Lord for decades. And I want to remind you today that just because you served the Lord for decades doesn't mean that you can save yourself. That if the wonder is going to be captured in your life, step up to the table of grace again. Receive the fresh anointing of God in your life. Remember, though things have happened to you that tend to drain you and make you tired and wonder whether or not you can make it, there is a God that still can awaken a future and a hope in your soul if you pause and remember, I still need the one who looks at me and calls me his masterpiece. Otherwise, Galatians 3, Paul says, How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? See, we have to focus on the wonders that God has already given us. It starts with the grace and the mercy of God. You and I are recipients of the unmerited favor of God. We don't deserve it. But we start receiving and capturing the wonder by pausing and receiving his grace. And then as we move forward, we recognize the list of God's wonders, his masterpieces that are around us. Did you know that the person sitting next to you is a masterpiece? In fact, I want you to turn to them, look them in the eyes and say, you are a masterpiece. You are. You know what? I'm not just saying that as a funny thing to do right now. I want you to remember and speak that into the people around you. We're, we're leaky vessels. We do stupid things. But we still live among, around people that are God's masterpiece. Maybe that would make a difference in how we view others. If we remember that person that cut you off in traffic is God's masterpiece. Or the person that cut in front of you in line while you're shopping is God's masterpiece. Or the person that talked negatively about you behind your back is still God's masterpiece. You can remember the same grace that God gave you, you can extend to those that are around you. We are God's masterpiece. I want you to do a, an assignment for me today. I want you to somewhere begin your list of wonders in your life. What are the things that you already have to be thankful for that God has brought into your world?
You're like, I don't have anything, Pastor Nate. I'm not talking about things. I'm talking about what do you have to be thankful for? What are the wonders that God has already given you? Start your list. Start it now. I'm a son of God, saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful that I get to go to church in a country that allows me to worship. I am grateful that I get to have food every day and it's never a worry of mine. I, what a wonderful world it is. And remember the positive aspects of your daily life. One of my favorite illustrations of remembering what we really have was a guy named Yakov Smirnov, who was a Russian comedian that back in the 80s and 90s, yeah, in a previous century, used to, used to talk about the distinctions between capitalism and America and the freedom we have and communist Russia back in those days. And so he would do these comparisons and he would say, what a country. And he would say, that was his phrase. And so he would say, I would go to the grocery store and I'd look on the shelf and there would be this powder that was orange. And all you do is take the powder and you add water and you have orange juice. What a country. What an amazing thing. And he found wonder in something that we just walked by on the shelf. He said, but when I really discovered that this is an amazing country was when one day I walked down the aisle and I looked on the shelf and there was a can that said baby powder. <laughs> just add a little water and you have a baby, I guess. It's amazing to me how little things get lost in our everyday journey and we forget to recount the wonders we already have. Some of those are the names of the family that you're in, the people that you're around, that you work with. Awaken the wonder by pausing and reflecting that you have everyday wonders. You have purpose in every part of your life. Back into Ephesians. Chapter two, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. So, everybody said so. So if you have the wonder, then you want to do something with it. There's purpose. The wonder we can bring to others. It's not just a wonder for us. It's the wonder we bring to others. See, God's redemption of our life brings redemption to all aspects of our life. Jesus frees us up and we are allowed to receive his grace and appreciate the people around us. And then the gifts we receive aren't just for our benefit, but for the glory of God. And we seek to take what we receive and give praise to God. Friends, we can humbly receive his gifts and humbly bring his benefits to the world around us. So then you go back to the relationships. And because you are receiving the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, you're not evaluating people based on whether or not they make you feel good, whether or not they do what you want to do. 
But you're saying, oh God, because I'm your masterpiece, created to do good things, help me and my relationships give life to people instead of taking life from them. You see the shift there? The reality is those relationships are important, but in God's worldview, he doesn't want us to take, he wants us to give. Jesus exemplified this when he died on the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then when we look at our accomplishments and our places of growth and status, when we get the new job or we launch a company or we get into the role in the professional field that we're in, we don't need to feel guilty about our success, we, but we don't find our identity in that success. Instead, when we're there, we don't look for people who are trying to rob us or trying to uh, be threats to our career climb. Instead, what we're able to do is say, Lord, you've put me in the role that you've placed me. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Help me now as your masterpiece do good works within the world that you've called me to. Help me to be a great administrator in a school or help me to be a great professional in the medical field or help me to be exactly what you want me to be in this season of my life. Not because I need it to feel good about myself. I'm already saved. But now, Lord, help me be a gift to the world around me. Instead of chasing approval all the time, trying to get other people to like us, we can pause and immerse ourselves in the love of God, knowing that no matter what we do, he's proud of us and he has good things for us. And when we know we receive our acceptance from our creator, then when we look at the relationships around us, we can give approval instead of chase approval. We can bless people around us instead of monitoring whether or not they're there for our good. Friends, I'm telling you this, the church of Jesus Christ in this one particular area needs to operate with the love and the vision of Christ. Instead of looking at people for what they're not, we need to begin to notice what good things are in them, in their story. Because when we begin to notice it and we show approval, it creates a bridge from heaven to those people. Many of them don't know Christ, but when they look at the church, all they see is finger pointing people who point out the wrong in the world around them. Church, when you receive the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and you capture the wonder in your heart, you're not threatened by anyone around you. You're able to bless and love those just as Jesus did, those that curse you, those that hurt you, those that don't like you. When you can show kindness, the kindness becomes a bridge back to the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? And then the toys, the toys. The toys are experiential, they're fun. You can have the lake home or go on a trip, but now instead of going to find your peace, you have peace before you go, and you attempt to build relationships through what you have. And if the day ever comes where you hang up the keys or give away the boat or take away the thing that you were chasing, it doesn't hurt you or harm you because it was only a season and it didn't define you. Are you hearing me today? 
If we can cultivate in our hearts a wonder that's rooted in knowing that we are loved by God, then those gifts that we receive become conduits for us to extend the love of God through us to the world around us. We can humbly receive his gifts and humbly bring his benefits to that world. See, we become God's ongoing show of wonder. What if we enjoyed the wonders we have? What if we appreciated the depth and the breadth of God's forgiveness, his love, his restoration? What if we used the gifts we received to benefit the people around us? Church, I know this today, that in our lives, we need to turn our attention back to the foundation, the fundamental elements of wonder. God has written on your heart, we read it from Ecclesiastes, eternity. And he has a beautiful or a wonderful experience laid out for us only when we are connected to his eternity. Let's not get caught up in the gifts and the glamour and all of the parties and everything going on around us or the things we have or the things we don't have. Let's instead turn our hearts towards the one and only true source of his wonder. And in so doing, he gives us the courage to live it out through our everyday life. Can I get an amen? I believe that today is a day to focus in on him. Would you stand with me?